last night, a big box, and I opened it, and I told Patty, I said, I believe I can eat the whole box. <laughs> but uh, wisdom and Patty stepped in, and I didn't. So I still have another helping or two, but uh, he's a good friend. It's nice to be with him. It's nice to see all of you here this morning, and uh, thank God for what he's doing. I saw a sign several years ago that's really stayed in my mind and, and kind of agitates me from time to time. And it said this, when was the last time you did something for the first time? And that was probably five or six years ago. And at my age, I had to think, wow, it's been a very long time since I've done anything for the first time. So a few weeks later, we were up in uh, Wisconsin in a, going through a thrift store. We go to thrift stores and, and uh, antique stores. I am housebroken and fully domesticated. So I just go where I'm told and uh, follow around. And then I go sit in the car until she's ready to do something else. But um, we're in a thrift store and we walked by and out on, the, on a kind of an old church bench, I think it was, there was a pair of rollerblades. And uh, I said, those look like my size. And I sat down and put them on, and they were my size. And I felt like God was orchestrating something here. And so I took them in, and I said, I've never bought rollerblades before. I said, I'd, I'd like to buy these rollerblades. She said, we don't sell them. They're too dangerous. If you want them, you can take them. If you want to make a donation, you can make a donation, but please understand we're not selling you these rollerblades. We're not responsible for anything that might happen once you take them off the property. Do you understand that? And I said, I'm kind of getting that in my mind now, what you mean. Well, I, I made a donation and we took the rollerblades home and uh, I have had them on and I have stood up in them and they do fit. But Patty insists on more life insurance before I take an actual skate in them. And my kids say I need to get elbow and knee pads and a helmet and everything else before I, I strike out. But I can envision myself going down our neighborhood streets, just gliding with the wind um, on my rollerblades. So when was the last time you did something for the first time? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, I have another question for you. When was the last time you came into a worship service or a revival service and you left a different person? I, I don't mean that you felt encouraged or you got blessed, but I mean you, you, really, you really had an encounter with God and it made a definite change in your daily life. He rearranged a part of your world and reshaped some of your thinking. When was the last time uh, you've come into a service like this and you left a different person? Well, I've been going to revivals all my life. I grew up in the church. My folks took me to revivals, and so I've been going all my life. Um, as a pastor, many, many revivals. Uh, some of them impacted me. Uh, some of them distressed me. Some of them wearied me. So, uh, but we made it through. But on December the 10th of 2017, 
Uh, Patty was sick and not able to go to church that day, but we were having revival at our church in Olathe, Kansas, and I, I attended the revival service. And the evangelist preached a, a, not a, an outstanding message. It wasn't a bad message. It just wasn't the kind of thing that you'd run and buy a tape of it. Uh, it, it was just the kind of message that spoke to our hearts. And then at the end, he, he said this. He said, he, he talked a little bit about more in our lives. And I, I thought, you know, we all are eager for more. And he, he, the invitation was this. If you are open to more, if God has more for you, maybe even more you don't understand or you can't quite yet get your mind around, if you want more from God, just come and stand for a closing prayer. Amen. Well, I, I was one of the first ones down there. I, whatever God's giving away, I want it. Yes, you know, I, I just, whatever he's got, I, I would like to have some of it. So I, I went forward. I was, I was like a lamb to the slaughter. I didn't expect anything to happen. I mean, I just expected there would be another time when you come forward and you make some promises to God and you feel a little better about a measure of obedience and then you just go back to your daily routines. But I met God standing at the altar that day. I, I, I didn't anticipated that. I was open to it, but I hadn't planned on it. And I hadn't planned on what God did to me that day and what he's continued to do in my life since that day. Uh, God challenged me that day to make room in my life for more of him. Now, I, I, I had just finished 50-plus years of public ministry in the Church of the Nazarene. So I wasn't a novice at this. I mean, I had, I had the, everything all packaged up, and I thought I pretty well had it like it would always need to be. And God challenged me that day, and he took me up on my offer for more. And he rearranged my life. <sighs> After 50-plus years of public ministry. Now, I didn't get saved, and I didn't get sanctified, but I got rearranged. <sighs> uh, he, he changed some of my daily habits. He, 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 he moved me away from some things and moved me towards some things. And throughout the afternoon, well, and, and I went right home, Patty. I, I believe we have too many secrets in the church. And I'm not talking about secret sin. I'm talking about spiritual secrets. Things happen in our lives and we don't tell anybody. God speaks to us and we say something to him and we don't tell people what God said to us and we don't tell anybody what we said to God. And nine times out of ten, it all dies in our heart because we don't share it. We don't testify to it. We don't give it life. If you don't give it life and space in your, in your outward life, it'll die in your heart. And you live with a, a trail of broken promises and disappointments and, and uh, actually sometimes failures in your life, often simply because you're not open about the good things God's doing in your life. So I went home and I told Patty, I, I said, I went to the altar today and stood and uh, I, I offered my life to God. And, and uh, one of the first things he said to me was about my cell phone. I had some little games that I played, nothing wrong with them. 
But he said, I want them off. You spend too much time on that thing, and I want them off. So I went home, and all my devices, I cleared them all off. He did let me keep Scrabble. That's the only thing I can do now. And he, he may take that away from me too someday. But he, he just said, clear it out. I want more of your time. I want you to spend that time productively. And began to rearrange other areas of my life. So I told Patty so Patty could hold me accountable. And Patty knew what was going on in my life. I didn't want it to be a secret. And I've been telling everybody everywhere I've gone this year, the last, all of last year and now into this year, I've been telling everybody because I want everybody to know that even after walking with God a long time, you can have an encounter with God that will take you significantly beyond where you've ever been. And that's what revival is all about. Being open for God to move me forward and not let me stay in this pattern in which I've been for a long, long time. So God impressed on me three scriptures. I'm going to talk about two of them uh, this morning and then one of them tonight. Uh, and and, and I'll, I'll read those scriptures here in a moment. The first is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 23. Ephesians 3, 20 and 23. And the second is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And I think these will be on the screen for you. And then the third is uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I'll, I'll talk about it tonight. But I want to work with these other two here in the next few minutes. Uh, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me while I read to you from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. You'll recognize uh, these words uh, as soon as I start reading, if you've been around the church at all, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond or immeasurably more than we could ask or think or imagine, according to the power of God that's already at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. And he talked to me about understanding him to be the God of immeasurably more. And, and I'm not, not, not talking in terms of any kind of rah-rah kind of miracle that would stun the world. I'm talking about the more and more of his redemptive work in our lives. And Ephesians is a book about that. That's what, that's what it's about. And then the second verse, which seemed unrelated to me at the time, but it's, it's making sense to me now, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied, or they shall be filled, or as the paraphrase, the message puts it, they will get their fill of it. <laughs> and I like that. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're going to get more than you can handle. You're going to get filled up, and overflowing, which leads me to say this, and I'll probably say it again later, you are exactly where you really want to be in your walk with Christ today, exactly where you want to be. And you might push back and say, oh, no, 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 preacher, I, I, I need the, I, I, well, that's all idealistic talking. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for it, you're going to get it, period. If you hunger and thirst for it, you're going to get it. So if you think you want something and you don't have it, you really don't want it. You just think you want it. If you really want it, you're going to get all you can handle. And then the, the, the third scripture, which is really the pathway to this 
this more of God is in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, another prayer of the Apostle Paul. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, uh, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless or transparent until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning, and you may be seated. So let me go back now to this God of immeasurably more. If you just turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. When, when we think of Ephesians, there's a phrase that theologians use that really resonates with me. It's this idea of the optimism of grace. We, we are radically optimistic people as Nazarenes and in our holiness tradition because we believe that there's nothing beyond the redemptive work of God. We believe there's no habit, there's no addiction, there's no problem, there's no challenge that's beyond the redemptive work of God. We, we don't ever have to settle back and say, well, that's just the way I've been and that's just the way I'll be. Uh, that's not true anymore because God has done a great work in Jesus Christ. And, and you begin in chapter 1 and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say that before the foundation of the world, he, he determined and chose that we would be holy and blameless before him. He says in love, he predestined us to be his sons and daughters, to bring us into his family. He says in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses through the Lord Jesus Christ. In him, he says, we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God put his thumbprint on us. He marked us as belonging to him. Now, we don't, we don't practice in most of our churches. Some are doing it now, but we don't normally practice Ash Wednesday but I, when I, we, we started doing that in Olathe my last four or five years there. But, but um, when, when I've seen congressmen or people from, from uh, the public community and they're on television for an interview and they have that ash mark of the cross on their forehead, I, I just, it, it, it reminds me of God putting his thumbprint on us. He marks us. He brands us. We belong to him. Now, some interpret that sealing as an eternal security, but that's not the meaning of this idea of sealing. It's, it's the stamp of a letter that's sealed so that everybody knows this letter comes from someone. And when we are marked by the Spirit of God, it says to the world, we come from someone. We're on behalf of someone. So we go to wherever you went last night, and I hope you're okay after you ate whatever you ate. But wherever you went, you go there marked as a child of God. And, 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 and like the nurse that you ran into, it wasn't long until you sensed something's different. She had been marked by the hand of God, and it came through in the way she lived her life. 
marked by God. We, God has already uh, drawn those of us who were far away from him. In fact, in chapter 2, he says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive together through Jesus Christ. And we were far away. We, we, we had no access. But in Christ, he brought us in. He made a way for us through Jesus to be a part of the kingdom and a part of the family of God. God has done everything necessary, not only to save us from our sins, but to establish us in a new way of living that is a dynamic and robust and exciting way to, to live and a delightful way in which we follow Christ. You know, we, so many of us are so bored in church because we haven't yet figured this out. We, we have, you, you, you look at Marcus and you say, what is his problem? Well, he's got many, but just <laughs> the main problem is he is so powerfully and deeply committed to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. And that's what fuels him. And that's what fuels the people of God. And you know people like that. You have people in this church that are that way. Maybe everybody in this room is that way. But you know people like that. And there's something magnetic about them. And, and you're drawn to these people. The, their responses and their reactions and the way they navigate life is just in a different way. The way they deal with adversity. The way they deal with disappointment. The way they deal with success. You know, dealing with success can be every bit as challenging as dealing with a, a terrible loss or, or hurt in our lives. In fact, it may be the most challenging thing we have to deal with. It's when we have a measure of success. How do we manage that? Jesus has already made provision for all of that in our lives. He's already made it. He's already fixed it for us. We, he is a God of immeasurably more. And when Paul is, is making this benediction to his prayer in chapter, chapter 3, the prayer is so, it's just outlandish. This, this prayer is crazy. We read these words because we've heard them, we've read them. But these, these first century Christians, they never heard anything like this. This was radical. They never heard, they never heard words like this. So he, he, says, uh, he says, my prayer is that you would be strengthened with power in the inner person through the Holy Spirit so that Christ would literally dwell in your hearts by faith. Amen. And that you, being rooted and grounded, uh, rooted means, you know, if a tree has good roots, it might hold up in a hurricane or a tornado. If the roots don't go down deep enough in the dry weather and the strong weather, the tree's not going to reach, they're not going to reach any soil, down, any water deep in the soil. It's not going to have any way to withstand uh, the winds uh, that come. And uh, a foundation, uh, you know, I, I don't know if any of you have wondered if the building's going to collapse today. Anybody thought about that? You, you haven't thought about it. You folks in the balcony, did you ever think that that thing might just fall flat down? I don't want to upset you or anything, but why, why, why do we have faith about that? Because this place is built on a good foundation. And it's solid, so you don't worry about that. Did you, did you ever think? Did you ever think that when you sat in the pew, you might just wind up on the floor? No, 
because it's time-tested. You, you never thought about that because you believe in that. And Paul is saying, I want you to be that rooted and grounded. I want you to be established that way in your faith so that you can, with all the saints, understand the length and height and breadth and depth of the love of God and to actually know that love, experience that love, that transforms you and shapes you and makes it possible to be filled up to all the fullness of God. Amen. I'm not making this up. It's, it's here. You can read it. But we read these things and we don't believe these things. We just read it so often. Patty and I were in New York City uh, several years ago and, and uh, in November, and we went to the Rockettes. And there's not a bad leg in the bunch. I will just say that. But there's nothing risque about the Rockettes. It's a family-friendly thing, Christmas thing. And after about an hour and a half of the production, uh, everything got quiet in the room. And uh, on the screen, uh, up on the stage, uh, this is in Radio City Music Hall, New York City, uh, a man with uh, leading a donkey with a woman seated on the back came across that stage and they had uh, while we were watching that they actually built a little hill over here in a little building and he took this woman and this donkey up and and then then a scrim came down and they began to scroll uh, the story of the birth of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke in New York City in Radio City Music Hall. And then here comes some shepherds with sheep, and they all gathered in. And then down the aisle, there are three camels, not play camels. These are the real camels. They come down the aisle with men dressed in robes that indicate they're people of royalty. And they make their way up onto the stage and they close that presentation with a, a, a song similar to Joy to the World. The Lord is born. Let earth receive her king. I just sat there and wept. It was like I had never heard this story before. Hearing it in Radio City Music Hall in New York City and part of the presentation of the Rockettes, it was like I'd never heard it before. And I don't think Christmas ever meant more to me than it did that day. In a public setting, in a secular setting, when the glory of God was proclaimed and the birth of Christ was announced, I never felt the power of that message before. And our problem is we just hear it over and over again, and we never respond. And you know, when you work with your hands, you get calluses, and they don't, things don't bother them like they once did, and that's what happens to the heart. So it happens to our hearts. It's not that we get distant or angry or hard to get along with necessarily, though some of us are already that way. But it's not that we necessarily get that way. But it's, it's just that it doesn't phase us anymore. We just take it all for granted. Well, sure, everybody knows that. Yeah, I've known that since I was a child. But do we know the power of the Christ about whom we read? Well, that day, uh, God 
God took me at my word. You want more, buddy? I'm going to give you more. And he's been pouring more into my life. I've never been more excited about my walk with Christ than I am this Sunday morning. I've never been more thrilled at following Christ or, or trying to, to lean more into what he may have for me next than I am today at this stage of my life. I want more. I want more. Well, the, the second scripture, and, and I serve the God of immeasurably more. He's got much more than I can ever contain. So I just have to keep making room for him. And I have to have an appetite. When you become a Christian, you have new appetites. Uh, you want to be in church? Now, I know some of you young people are here today because your mom and dad wants you to be in church. And that's a good enough reason for a while. And our prayer is that someday you begin to yearn and long to be here on your own. And uh, some of you spouses may be here today because your spouse said, all right, let's go. And uh, you're here and you've got on a pretty nice face right now. But you're really, you, I mean, you, you're, if you had, were on your own, you probably might not be here today. I understand that. But, but we're here today. If, if, if you're a believer, you have new appetites. And, and, and the appetite is for the things of God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall get their fill of it. They, they'll get more than they bargained for. I got more than I bargained for that day. You get more than you bargained for. If you have a child, some of you have children here. I see pastors holding his little one there. And if uh, she stops eating for a day, you're probably going to ask questions. Uh, you, you, you're going to take her to the doctor. You're going to say, she's quit eating. What do we do? And they'll, they'll check her over. They'll run some tests. Because a lack of appetite means that we're not well. Now, I would say that most of us in this room have a healthy appetite. And, and that's okay. It's a good thing. If you have no appetite for the Word of God, if you have no appetite for conversations with God, we call that prayer. If you have no appetite for the people of God, If you, if you just lack an appetite for spiritual things, you are either sick or you're dying or you're dead. You're the only person that knows whether that's true or not. I don't know. You're the only person that knows if you have a, an appetite to feed on the Word of God on a regular basis. You're the only person that knows whether or not you have a, a yearning to spend time with God in conversation. And that could be in your prayer closet or it could be driving down the highway or wherever. You, you just have a desire to talk to God. You're the only person that knows that. Nobody else knows that. So nobody else can tell whether you're healthy or not. You're the one that has to determine if you're healthy. If I don't have a good appetite, I'm either sick or I'm dying or I'm already dead. I'm already dead. And you have to reckon with that. 
in your own personal life. At some point along the way, we have to be honest about ourselves. Somewhere, we have to be honest. We don't have to be honest in front of everybody else. We know that. But somewhere along the way, you just have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not well. I'm not healthy. I'm not thriving. Children, infants die for a failure to thrive. And Christians can die for failure to thrive. And that has to do with appetite. They'll be serving no meals at the cemetery today. There won't be any trucks going out there with sandwiches and stuff because people at the cemetery don't eat because they're dead. Now, I do have a, a friend who goes to the cemetery. He, he bought some plots in the cemetery, kind of out on the edge of town. It was on the edge of town. Now it's kind of in the inner loop of the outer edge of town. And, and he goes to a potluck at the cemetery every year. I said, Phil, why would you do that? He said, well, I, I want to get acquainted with my future neighbors. I want to know who I'm going to be laid out here by. So I'm just trying to get acquainted so I can be a good neighbor. But that's, uh, that's the exception to the rule. They're not serving any meals at the cemetery today. Several years ago, we, we started a, a, a program, I guess you could call it, an emphasis in Olathe called God First. And we had little we had big stickers we put on the back of our buses. We had a, a big God first sign that we put up front in the sanctuary. We had bumper stickers. We had little things that you could stick on your television screen to remind you while you're watching television, be sure that what's coming through the screen and what you're reading about God first connect with each other. We made even smaller ones for people to put on their computers we had, had them where they could put them on the mirror where, where men would shave and women put their face on. You know, women take their faces off and put them back on. And that's why they look better than we do after all the years because they only wear their face 12 hours a day. We have to wear ours 24 hours a day. So where the ladies put their face on and the men shave, it was just a way to constantly remind us, put them on the dashboard in your car. God is first in my life. And... Uh, Pastor Dan Vanderpool came up with this wonderful thought that, that really has become kind of a routine for me. He said, he said Let, let's think of God as the first thought of the day. The minute you wake up, good morning, Lord. Not good Lord, it's morning, but good morning, Lord. The first thought of the day, the first conversation of the day, the first words I speak in my spirit or words... To my, <clears throat> to my God. And then the first read of the day, before the newspaper or anything else, I find, I find the word, feed on that. That's not, that's not bad, is it? That's really not bad. A bad way to start the day. God first. It's indicative of an appetite. An appetite. So the invitation this morning is the invitation I, I was offered on December 10th, 2017. I want to ask Cleve to come and, and, and maybe Susan and start playing, uh, I need you more. Lord, would you do that? And Mark is going to come. We're going to sing that in a few moments. But if you'd just come and start playing it while I, I talk here uh, for just a few more minutes.
But the invitation is this. If God has more for me, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe you're at the, as they say, the top of your game. Maybe this is, this is the best season of your life. And if God poured any more into your life, you'd just fall over dead. Which would not be a bad thing, you know, to go out that way. If you're going, we're all going out anyway, so that'd be a great way to go out. Uh, but if God has more, if my daily life needs to be rearranged, if my daily activities need to be more closely examined, if God wants me to leave here today out so far with him that I can never get back. That's what we're afraid of, is that God will call us out someplace and we can never get back. And that's where I am now. I can't go back. I don't know the way back. I guess the only thing for me is to keep pushing forward and discover what's out here because I, I don't see a way back there without great loss in my life. But if you... If you, would, if you would accept more if God has more, or if you long for more. In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing this chorus, and for those of you who feel that way, I'm going to invite you just to come and stand. Now, there may be some of you who say, I know I need more, and I want to seek that more this morning, and you just want to come and kneel and pray, and that's fine too. But the invitation is just to say, Okay, preacher, I'll, I'll, take you, I'll take you up on this. If there is more, but don't come if you don't mean it. Don't, because he's liable to meet you here and mess with you. God messes with us. So if you don't mean it, don't come. But if you think you might be interested in that, the invitation is to come just for a closing prayer. No pledges, no promises to me, nothing like that. Just, yeah, if God has more. In this week of revival, if God has more, what if, what if Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene were never the same after this week? What if? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. Let's stand together. We're going to sing from the balcony from wherever. If you'd like to come, stand or kneel and pray. We're going to do that. Let's sing it together. I need you more. Sing it with us, would you? I need you more, Lord. More than yesterday. More than words say. I need you more. Yeah. I need you more. Sing it one more time. One more time. I need you, Lord. Yeah. Yes. I need you more. Yeah. Lord, I need you. I want you. <laughs> Whatever you have for me. Whatever you have for me. Now let me ask you one more question. If there's something in your life 
and if God doesn't intervene, it's going to be bad, and there's no other way but God. You need a miracle. Would you just put your hand up? Is anybody like that? We need a miracle in, our, in my life or my family. I, I need something. I can't do it. Anybody else? You, you don't have to be down front to do that. If you, if you need a miracle this morning, if you need a miracle, we're going to pray for miracles this week, too. The God of immeasurably more. We're going to pray for miracles in his name. I want to pray, pray with you this morning. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church family. And I don't know what you have in store for their individual lives. But Lord, I believe you're quickening within us a yearning for something more. We've had many revivals in this church. This church has kind of born in the fire revival and has kept that fire burning. It's, they practice this on a regular basis. And I thank you for every good thing that's happened in every other revival. Some of them have been more life-changing than others. Somehow, for reasons known only to you, you move in certain ways at certain times. But here we are, Lord, today, some on our knees, some of standing at the front, and I know there are some standing right where they are, and they're, they're open. Lord, would you lead us out to where we can't get back to where we are now? Would you take us beyond where we are to where you want us to be? And would you do that individually and would you do that corporately as a church family? Would you start something in our lives this week that would carry on day after day and year after year? And may what we come to believe as this generation or experience as this generation, our sons and daughters will come to believe. For their generation. Let that, let that happen to us. And we commit this week to you. And we offer ourselves, Father, as living sacrifices for you to do what you would be pleased to do. We yearn and long for something more. Something more. Something more. Thanks be to God. Now, I tell you what I want you to do, those of you who are praying and those of you who've, who've made a decision, if God has, has spoken into your life in response to your decision, ideally before you leave this building, you're going to speak that aloud with somebody. If you can't do it before you leave the building, certainly before you have lunch, say it out loud to somebody, a friend, a confidant, a spouse, a mom, a dad. I went home and I said to Patty, this is what God said to me. And this is what I said to him. So now it's, it's a living thing. It breathes and moves in my life and in our lives together. And we need that. We need that in order to move forward as God wants us to move forward. Now the rest of this week, I'm going to be talking about the pathway to more. Everything else is going to be about that. So I hope you'll be here tonight. I want to talk to you about the transforming power of love and how that shapes us and conditions us. So I hope you'll be back tonight and we'll be here every night. But we'll, we'll always be leaning into this idea of more, of more. Let's sing that chorus again a time or two, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor and he can 
send us on <clears throat> our way as he sees fit. Amen. That's our prayer today, that God would revive us, that he would show us new light this week. I'm so glad you were here today. Go today knowing that God loves you and so do I. We'll see you tonight at 630. Have a great day.